Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So I'm glad to be here. We're continuing on the inward journey. I'm taking the whole year to talk about the inward, upward, outward journey. Inward being dealing with our stuff and really the more traditional way to say it would be sanctification. But it's a long word with lots of syllables. So the inward journey sounds cooler and hipper and uh, hopefully uh, more meaningful as we walk it out. Same amount of syllables. We just broke them up into shorter segments. So, <laughs> All right, the inward journey. How many have heard of the idea of white noise? <clears throat> All right. My wife loves this. I can't sleep without white noise. <clears throat> so we always have a fan or an air conditioner. We had the air conditioner on lately. <laughs> uh, going. And if we go to a hotel, we bring a fan just in case. They don't have one that goes continuously because if the fan stops, I wake up, you know, and then it starts and I go back to sleep. I start go to sleep. And I don't like that, all right? And so why do we have white noise? Yeah, it covers up all the other little noises. And so if we didn't have the white noise, I can't sleep because I would hear the creaking of the floor when my son goes to the bathroom, you know. I would hear the dog sniffing in the corner. I would hear this or that. I'd hear cars driving by, and, and sure enough, if I hear it, boom, I'm awake. Uh, and so I need that to drown out the, this, the other noises that I don't want to hear. So we use white noise <coughs> to uh, mask what we don't want to hear. I was listening to someone teach on this, and they said, deodorant is white noise for our nose. <laughs> How many thank God there is deodorant? Hallelujah. Some of us went to Turkey a few years ago on a mission trip. Istanbul has 17 million people. None of them use deodorant. They don't sell deodorant in Turkey. All right? And, they're crowd and it's all like a, a cool day is 90. All right? Serious. Every day, it's in the 90s, up to 100 degrees. Every day. Uh, and you're crowded on these trams with people holding on. Like, and so you're inches away from some guy's hairy armpit who's never used deodorant in his life. <laughs> now I know why the women wear those over-the-head shows. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> They're the only ones that can breathe. All right. <clears throat> Next time we go, we're not going to hand out Bibles. We're going to hand out deodorant. All right, because they need salvation. No. Uh, <laughs> so that's the idea. There's stuff, there's noise, or the deodorant masks what we don't want to smell. And white noise masks what we don't want to hear. But guess what? Uh, sometimes we use stuff to mask what we don't want to feel or what we don't want to think. All right. White noise, what do we use to mask unwanted emotions and thoughts? Because we do this. We all do this. So what, what do you think, what are some of the things that you might use, or not you, your spouse? <laughs> there you go. Bicycle what? rides. Bicycle rides. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Distractions. What, what do your kids use so that they don't think about doing the chores? Games. Games. What else? Television. Television. Otherwise known as Netflix. <laughs> what else? Huh? Sports? Yep. Social media? Anybody ever hear of that Facebook thing? Right? 
Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. I was with someone the other day, just not long ago. <coughs> He's not here, so I can talk about him. I won't tell you his name. <laughs> but we were in a restaurant. There was a small group of us. And he kept looking at his phone. I was like, what's the problem? Is somebody having a problem? No, I'm just checking my Facebook. I'm like, dude, this is FaceTime. You don't need Facebook. This is, this is the real deal. <laughs> so I, I lovingly encouraged him. Put the phone away, man. Engage in real life. He was like, what if I miss something? It'll be there when you get home. You know? But we use that for a distraction, don't we? You pull that out. Uh, another one. There's a big one that everyone's missing. Addictions. That's a big one. That's a big thing. You get, they do addiction because they don't want to feel the pain. They don't want to deal with a problem. So they get drunk or stoned or high or whatever. Uh, what's one that most people think is good? Work. Work. Work's good. Got to work. Got to provide. Got to work. Got to work. Got to work. Can't deal with it now. I got to go to work. I'm busy. I'm busy. Can't deal with it. Sorry. Can't deal with it. Got to go. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad. Gone 12, 14 hours a day. And when he came home, guess what we did? We worked. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It's like everybody dreaded when dad came home. Because that meant we, go, we went out and we worked our tails off. And if there wasn't something to do, he made up some dig holes. Seriously. Big holes. <laughs> Eight feet, 12 feet deep. <laughs> we, uh, so, and, and, and you know, all, most of those things, addiction's not good, but most everything else there is good. Uh, but not if it's used to distract us from uh, something we need to deal with. You know, and there's a reason why we use these distractions to hide from our emotions and our, our thoughts. It's good to work, but not to hide at work from life or from maybe a marriage that needs attention or kids that need attention or other things or maybe yourself, your own stuff. It's good to go for a bicycle ride, but not in, at the expense of doing the things that you're responsible for. It's good to listen to music. It's good to, to do, I think it's good to do Facebook. I, I don't understand why people have a problem with it. You just don't overdo it, you know? It's uh, a great way to stay in communication. Unhealthy white noise and these distractions uh, are used to avoid something we actually need to address. Um, and sometimes we don't, we're not aware of it. Sometimes it can be uh, intentional. Often it's not. We just get distracted by this and distracted by that and distracted by that. But in those distractions, we may miss something very, very important. The opposite of that distraction or white noise is what's called mindfulness. Okay, And I'm going to read you a definition. <clears throat> it's, uh, maybe you've never heard this term before. If you, it's very popular right now. Um, mindfulness is a state achieved, a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment. All right, so we're not thinking about what's going to happen next, and we're not talking about what happened last night. We're thinking about what's happening right now. <laughs> hey, how was ignition, guys? Yeah, you awake? They're like, hey. <laughs> They haven't slept in two days. <laughs> uh, it was our youth retreat down in Sturgis. It was a great time. All right. Uh, uh, man, focusing one's awareness on the present moment 
while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings. So being aware of your feelings, being aware of what's going on, and sensations, you know, in your body. And so this is a, it's a, actually a primary uh, uh, technique used in almost all therapy and counseling. If you're going to a therapist or a counselor, they've probably talked about mindfulness. If they haven't, they will. If they don't, get another counselor. It's really a, an important aspect of coming into uh, uh, getting connected to what's going on and how you're reacting to what's going on, uh, both physically and mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I think it's kind of funny, though, that, uh, not funny, but curious, interesting, that we're actually at a place or culture where we have to pay a professional to teach us how to be aware and how to feel. All right? Listen, millions of people are spending a lot of money because these counselors, they, 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 they reel it in, all right? 100 to $300 an hour. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> just to say, hey, so how do you feel about that, you know? I was like, wow, man. Uh, <laughs> I never thought about that before. I'm making fun, but it's a very important skill. And most of us don't have that skill. You know why? Because our culture is, is, is so filled with distractions. All right? It's just a, we're constantly being bombarded with this distraction and that distraction. It's just like, man, we're going through a, like a meteor storm of distractions. And to try to focus on something is, is hard, and it's not normal, okay, in our day. Um, but God has been teaching us this, actually, from the very beginning. Let me give you a little a peek into this. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, and they hid? The Lord God came into the garden like he had done on a regular basis. We'll walk into the Garden of Eden, fellowship with Adam and Eve. But now Adam and Eve are hiding. And God says to Adam, where are you, Adam? Now, God wasn't a, a scared parent who had lost their children in the forest. He goes, where are you, Adam? Oh, my goodness, where's Adam? Adam! Adam! He wasn't doing that, was he? No. Did, did God know where Adam was? Okay, so why did he ask that question? Adam didn't know where Adam was. And Adam needed to hear the question, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Kathy? Where are you, Dan? <laughs> where am I right now? Oh, and Adam had to go, wow, I'm hiding from my creator. I'm hiding from the one who gave me everything. You know, I'm hiding. I'm naked. Where am I? Where am I? And so God's been teaching this idea, and it's all through Scripture, actually. Uh, you may not hear a lot of teachings on this topic, but it's, it's really a valuable skill. And I'm going to talk about the what and the why, and then I'm going to talk at the end about the how if we get there in time. But just, just, just to make you feel comfortable, <coughs> I did bring my lunch, if it takes too long. <coughs> uh, we'll get to that later. Jesus said it this way, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Shut your door. You know what that means? Remove the distractions. Get someplace where you're not bombarded with 
distractions. Now you may have the ability to have a, a separate room or a closet, and that's great, but you need to find a place where you can shut the door and you know, turn off the phone. Don't just turn off the ringer because it still vibrates. Zzz, zzz. I'm in a meeting. There's six people. All their phones are on silent, but vibrate. But Turn off this everything. Leave the phone. Put it in airplane mode. It'll wait. It was only a few years ago people didn't have cell phones. <gasps> How did they make it? <laughs> right? Take time. Shut the door. Don't check the computer. Don't check the, you know, if you're using a, a Bible on, on, on the computer, don't have the messaging app open. Turn off those stupid notifications. All right? It's very important to remove distraction. Uh, in this, where is God? And Jesus is talking. What does Jesus, where does God say, where does Jesus say God is? In the secret place. He's in the secret. What does that mean? Does that mean you have to, he's hiding somewhere in your house? And you have to dig through the closets, go through those boxes out in the garage that's been there for years? God might be in there. Is that what that means? No. It means it's a place of secrecy. Right? Uh, and that may be different for you than for me. But there's, a, there's an aspect of experiencing and knowing God that you cannot uh, find apart from the place of secrecy, the secret place. Christians are supposed to have a secret life. Yeah. Living a secret life. Hidden with God. Hidden with Christ in God. All right? Um, <clears throat> this takes mindful prayer. This idea of white noise, removing distraction, and mindfulness taken and applied to our prayer life. Knowing where you are, knowing where God is, not in some place. You know, it's great to go to conferences. You can experience God uh, and the expression of God in a greater way when you get in a big room with thousands of people. Great worship, lots of lights. Yeah, that's great, big. Uh, going to church is good. We hear teaching, fellowship, connection with uh, people we love. That's great. But there's an aspect of interacting with your Heavenly Father that you can only find in the secret place. You'll never get it in church. You'll never get it in a conference. You need to get there alone. All right? You need to find that with God. And it takes. It takes God. <clears throat> it takes you and God together and making a living connection. And that's what we're talking about today. Someone sent me this email this morning. All right? And so I copied and pasted it into my notes because I thought, wow, bam. They didn't know what I was teaching on, uh, but it, it, it uh, connected perfectly. Timothy Keller, phenomenal author, phenomenal speaker. Uh, if you've never heard or read him, you should. But he writes this, uh, the, there are three basic kinds of prayer. There's the upward prayer. Yay, our theme. Uh, upward prayer we're going to be talking about later. Prayer, uh, uh, praise and thanksgiving that focuses on God himself. We could call this the prayer of awe. Uh, worship would be included in that. And then there's the inward prayer, and that's what I'm talking about today. Inward prayer of self-examination and confession that bring a deeper sense of sin. Okay, so that is the being aware of yourself, being aware of your stuff. Uh, uh, you know, it's just, just that mindfulness of knowing how you feel and, your, and, and the things that are going on inside you and around you. Uh, and in return, a higher experience of grace. 
and assurance of love. Wow, that's the stuff you, you receive inwardly. Uh, that is the prayer of intimacy. You know, you can't get intimate with someone if you only, you know, see them occasionally for a minute or two. Or you shout out. You know, a shout out is not very intimate. Right? It takes time to develop intimacy and it takes privacy. Just you and God. Uh, and finally, there's the outward prayer. And that's what most people think of prayer. And that's asking for things and uh, supplication, intercession, praying for change in the community, in the world, or uh, for those that you love. But uh, inward, outward, upward, and in, in ap- uh, applying it to the idea of prayer. So this is a very valuable skill on our inward journey. In fact, I don't think you can go very far on the inward journey without developing the skill of being able to connect with God in the secret place. Um, let me just read from this psalm, which is an example. Most, uh, pretty much all the psalms are either songs or prayers written down to teach us how to pray, how to worship, how to connect with God. And this is a powerful one that really connects with this topic. Psalm 77 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Okay? So this is something the psalmist is doing, and something we are, it's a pattern that we are to follow after. You know, uh, uh, meditating within your heart is, is, is only something you can do inside, right? It's not like I'm going to build a building, or I'm going to do a church service, or I'm going to go to a conference. No, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think deeply about this inwardly, in the secret place. And then I love this next phrase, my spirit makes diligent search. I want you to come up with five easy steps to make that happen. Most people don't even know what their spirit is. But here, he's differentiating between his heart and his spirit. And his spirit person, the spirit within him, he's going to search diligently. Again, this is inward stuff. This is turning your spirit to seek after an experience and knowledge of God. All right? Uh, Not just reading a book about it, not just learning information, but actually doing it. Uh, And then then he actually demonstrates what this looks like. And it's pretty raw. By the way, a third of the Psalms are Psalms of anguish or lament, otherwise known as complaining. (laughs) biblical so listen to this will the lord cast off forever god will you be no longer favorable you're not going to give me anything anymore are you going to just cast me off forever has your mercy just kind of stopped forever this has gone on long enough god has your promise failed God, have you failed? Have you given up? Have you forgotten? Listen, this is in the Bible. Someone praying to God, and God says, this is a good example of prayer. In fact, it's so good, I'm going to put it in the Bible. God, have you forgotten how to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Are you so mad? Are you so teed off at me that you're just not going to be nice to me anymore? That's what it feels like, God. Oh, is that what your prayer time looks like? So let me just tell you, not only is it okay for your prayer time to be like that, 
You need to get there. And if you've never got there, there's a whole part of God that you haven't experienced yet. All right? Because you might think those are bad emotions. I can't take those to God because I've got to be respectful in God's presence. Listen, God's presence, God respects honesty and, and sharing your emotions and being heartfelt. Because he already knows it. He knows where you are. <laughs> Prayer is about you getting to know where you are and taking it to him. All right? <clears throat> so selah means let's just think about that for a while. <laughs> right? So he thinks about that for a while. He gets in touch. He's mindful of how he feels and what's going on around him. And then he responds. And so this is the second half of the prayer. And I said, this is my anguish. I'm feeling horrible. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. So he starts singing, oh, but God did this, and God did that, and God did this, and God did that, and did this for so-and-so, did that for so-and-so. And I read that he did that for my, my forefathers. <clears throat> Surely, uh, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember uh, your wonders. Now he's not talking about the Lord, but he's talking to the Lord. I'm going to remember what you've done. I remember your wonders, uh, all the amazing things. I will meditate on your work. I'm just going to think about what you have done uh, and acknowledge that there's things that are missing that you haven't done, but I'm going to remember what you have done and I'm going to talk about it. Your way, oh God, is in the sanctuary. And that's not just talking about the temple sanctuary. I think that's talking about the place of God's presence. And God dwells in our hearts. Okay? So that's the private place. Uh, who is so great as our God? Who uh, you are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the people. You have, with your arm, redeemed the people. Can you see the shift from expressing the anguish to expressing confidence and joy and faith? It just plays out right there in that psalm uh, as an example for us and should be a pattern that we can uh, uh, reproduce in our life. But that doesn't happen. You can't just read the psalm and... and and say that's mine it's it's getting to your emotions and to your anguishes and to your stuff and expressing it and it takes time biblical meditation i will meditate on all your work or i'll meditate on my bed uh is not like eastern meditation eastern meditation is emptying your mind of all thought you know trying to get rid of everything uh biblical meditation is actually filling your mind uh, with the works of God, the wonders of God, the knowledge of God, the remembrance of God, uh, thinking about getting your mind filled with all that God is and meditating, thinking over it, thinking deeply. And that requires time. Everybody say time. How many have enough time? How many feel they don't have enough time? Let's be honest. How many don't know what I mean? Because a third of you didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> we always, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. We all have 168 hours a week. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But it takes time to prioritize rest, that's taking time, and focused prayer, that's that mindful prayer that we're talking about, tuning in to where we are, how we're feeling, and where God is in it. The Bible says, let us, I love this verse, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall 
according to the same example of disobedience. He's big context. We're not going to go there, but talking about the Israelites not being able to come into the promised land because of disobedience. They weren't able to enter into the rest, but therefore there remains a rest for the people of God. The Amplified puts it this way. Let us be zealous. Everybody say zealous. zealous. Okay, be zealous. Say zealous. zealous. All right. Exert yourselves yeah. and strive diligently to enter that rest. Yeah. Like, wait, wait, wait. It's like, how f- I'm going to strive and exert, I'm going to fight through the crowd and get to the lazy boy. Yeah, I made it. Give me the remote control. <laughs> It's kind of a conflict here. It's like we're supposed to be zealous and exert ourselves and strive so we can rest. I thought it was rest. Yeah, but this rest is not just taking a vacation. Okay? It actually takes work to get there. Uh, but it is rest. It is ceasing from your work. Uh, it's intentional rest. And sometimes it takes time. It's, this is a hard thing for doers to do. Doers are people who like to get things done. All right? Movers like to move things. I'm a mover. When I walk into a room, inevitably, <laughs> the furniture will move. Absolutely. Doesn't matter where I'm at. <laughs> Restaurants, I rearrange tables. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I tell them it's okay. <laughs> In stores, I've rearranged displays. <laughs> I've told them, move that over there. It's in the way. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> just the way I am. So this was a hard lesson for me to learn until I found the secret. This is something I'm supposed to do. Get it? Yeah. yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. Okay, I can do this because I'm a doer. All right. And what I need to do is not do anything for a while. Okay. Got it. I can do that. And so you just change the way you think. I can do it. I remember the first time I took 12 hours in this room and did nothing but pray. I had my Bible, music was gone, 12 hours. I went to the bathroom a few times. Once you do a 12-hour prayer shift, praying for an hour, piece of cake. Praying for 10 minutes is hard. It's like, oh, I just got started. I'm serious, man. It's just a breakthrough. Uh, I did it, and now it's easy. Uh, uh, come to, Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened. And I will cause you rest. I will ease, relieve, and refresh. How many want to be eased, relieved, and refreshed? All right? Not just your body, but your soul. The inward part of you. Your mind and emotions. Jesus came to do this. If you come to Jesus, he's going to provide rest for your souls. He needs to get into the inward side. It takes more than a church service, saints. It takes more than a conference. It takes more than a book. It takes more than head knowledge. It takes some time to spend in the presence of the Lord. Don't be too busy to receive what Jesus came to give. What I'm talking about, if you've been around here, we call this soaking prayer. All right? And uh, 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 you may not be familiar with the term, but it's just a present-day tense term for something that is also called contemplative prayer. Waiting on the Lord, tarrying is what the uh, holiness people would call it. Uh, it's based in Psalm uh, 4, it mentions it this way. Meditate, meditation is, is biblical meditation, is, is tarrying, it's waiting, it's, it's, it's soaking. Meditate within your heart on your bed. 
and be still. All right. So how many people stand on their bed? Nobody. Good. Because if you did, your mom would yell at you. All right. <clears throat> Don't jump on the bed. Don't stand on the bed. Right. So talking about this is a biblical command to lie down in prayer and don't move around. Would you just lay down for a minute? He causes us to lay down in green pastures, right? And so there's a, there's a biblical mandate that we are to take time. Let me just read this quote from Carol Arnott. Soaking prayer is, in essence, resting in the presence of the Lord. It is uh, calming yourself and putting aside the distractions of the day to focus. I'm going to be a few minutes. Uh, focus your mind and heart on the Holy Spirit. It is time without an agenda. Okay, so having a prayer list is great. There's, that's intercession, that's supplication. This is time without a prayer list, without an agenda. God, I'm just here. Whatever you want to do, do. No agenda. I'm not seeking something. I'm just seeking you. Uh, and Or any sense of us having to do something. We call it soaking because it's about submerging yourself in God and his love by soaking him up like a sponge it is simply another form of prayer that can be called contemplative prayer or uh, quiet time. Carol Arnott compares it to a sponge. And so here is a sponge. This happens to be an old sponge. And it's dry. And it's kind of crusty. And it's hard. If I wanted to clean something, it, it's no good for that. Sponges are meant to clean stuff, right? Yeah. But when it's in this condition, it's pretty much useless. All right, it just smears, it gets things worse. And so uh, we're all, many Christians spend most of their life like this dry sponge that can't do what we're supposed to do. Crusty and hard. Because they haven't taken time to soak. So what's the solution? You soak. And that which was hard, we can feel it. It's now soft. Yeah. And it's bigger. And now it's filled with what was in the pitcher. And it's overflowing. And now, if it was a clean sponge, <laughs> I forgot about the sponge until this morning and I, I scrounged through the, the cupboard underneath the sink, the one we never look in. <laughs> On an old sponge. Uh, now, if it was, I could do something with it, right? And so that's the idea of soaking prayer. You need to submerge yourself and let it fill you up until you're soaking with the presence of God. Soaking prayer is often referred to, came across this on a website, as an inward journey. Oh, that's our term. In the spirit. In simple terms, it's just hanging out with Jesus and letting him do whatever he wants to do. Uh, Andrew Murray uh, says it's a secret. Here's the secret of a life in prayer. Take time in the inner chamber, to bow down and worship him, wait on him until he unveils himself. I understand we all lead busy lives, but this is one of the things we were created to do, is take time in God's presence and allow him to saturate us. And it may be, if you're like most people, the first time you do this, you're not going to feel anything. You may not feel anything for months if you do it every day. But if you persevere and you continue, there will be a moment when you go, oh, because you know what? You know why it takes so much time? Because we're so distracted. 
for so many other things. And we're insulated from the feeling the presence of God because we're numbed by all of the stuff in our life. Uh, <clears throat> let me skip that. It takes time to practice, practicing the presence of God. This doesn't come naturally, okay, for most people. And it's counter to our culture. You know what? Our culture is fast-paced. Boom, 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 boom. You get a phone, phone's discontinued by the time you get it home. You know, and there's another phone out. They're talking about iPhone 8. It just came out with 7, right? This, that, upgrades, 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 new clothes, change of fashion, new this, new that. It's counter to everything that we think, but it's very, very powerful. It's absolutely necessary. John Arnott says this. He found a, a Greek word study uh, on uh, two words. One is bapto, meaning to dip, and the other is baptizdo, which, from which we get the word baptism, by the way, which means to immerse. And it was actually, I've heard of this, other people teach you on this. It was a, they found a, a, a recipe, a cookbook in Greek from the days uh, of the first century. And the recipe called for the raw fruit to be dipped in boiling water to blanch or sterilize the cucumber. <clears throat> and uh, what's this? A cucumber. Ha! Amazing. <laughs> So to dip <coughs> quickly, pull it out. To we know this. If, you're, if you know how to can, if you've done canning, you have to do this or a lot of different things. Um, uh, to blanch or sterilize cucumber using the word bapto. Bapto means in and out quickly. Then you took, uh, then it called for the cucumber to be immersed using the word baptizdo, uh, which is soaking in the brine or pickling solution for several weeks. <coughs> Because what happens during the soaking time is that the marinate, or the pickling solution, uh, soaks deep into the flesh of the cucumber until it takes on uh, the flavor of the pickling solution <clears throat> and turns into a pickle uh, so that it no longer tastes like a raw cucumber. This is what we mean by soaking, Arnott explains. May you, and then he goes, and I've heard him say this countless times, may you be so marinated by the presence of the Holy Spirit soaking in the river of God that you no longer taste like a raw cucumber, right? You no longer taste like your old raw nature, but you've taken on the flavor of the Holy Spirit. Uh, pickle us, O oh Lord, pickle us, Lord, in the marinate of the Holy Spirit. Soak us in your wonderful presence until we become more and more. You know, what's the difference between this and this? Besides size. Besides size. The flavor's different? Why is the flavor different? Because it's spent time in the, in the liquid. And we talk about the river of God that flows from the throne, the Holy Spirit, the waters of God. All right? And that's what, that's what this is all. Soaking takes time to lay down and to stay down. Everybody say stay down. Stay down. Stay down. Uh, in that presence and to let, it, to so, let it soak through you until you see the flavor. Until you're small and shriveled up. No. <laughs> until you take on the nature and the flavor and the taste of God. Let me give you some quick practical steps. Schedule a time separate from regular prayer and Bible study. 30 minutes, hour, once a week maybe, 
schedule a time, close the door, leave the phone, leave the computer off, uh, find a place. Uh, you can do it outside if you're an outside person, uh, go for a walk, but then sit down and just wait on God and spend an hour. Uh, you know, I've done this on the top of the sand dunes looking out at Lake Michigan. I've done it in the woods. Uh, I've done it all over the place. <clears throat> Instrumental music helps. There's, you can YouTube uh, soaking music now, and there are endless playlists of great soaking music. All right? So you don't even have to buy anything anymore. Uh, do it often and longer than you want. Mitko, who was here a few weeks ago, said he's now doing it an hour a day. He just spends in the presence of God. A friend of mine up in Muskegon is a very successful businessman. He's got a couple of kids, little kids, wife, uh, owns over 60 uh, housing units that he rents and uh, maintains, builds houses, has a roofing business. I don't know how many businesses he has. Uh, plus, he pastors a church on the side. And he spends a minimum of an hour to two hours. He says sometimes it's three hours every single day. And he is so filled with the Holy Spirit. I love getting around him because I feel the Holy Spirit. I don't do it that much. Uh, uh, his name of his church is Resting Place. Yeah. And the, there's not chairs in the middle, there's a big carpet. So he shows people by laying down. <laughs> this is what you need to do, folks. Uh, and it's changed him. It's complete. And he says if he didn't do it, he'd die. Uh, and, and when you're doing it, stop, look, and listen. Uh, uh, in other words, God wants to meet you. He wants to interact with you. So be aware. It's, you know, if you fall asleep, it's okay. Because maybe God wants to give you a dream. Don't beat, you up, beat yourself up about that. Uh, sometimes it's okay. Um, yeah, I always have a notepad. This is a big help for me because something inevitably I'll get on my knees and I'll think of something. Oh shoot, I got to get dog food. Write it down. I don't have to think about it anymore. Oh, I forgot to call Scott. Write it down. I don't have to think about it anymore. And so if something comes up, just jot it down. I don't have to think about it anymore. But then, oh wow, God just would will bring a memory, you know, uh, or a scripture. I write that down, and I meditate on that. And pretty soon you get to fruitful thoughts. And the more you do this, <laughs> what's interesting is the more you do it, the less time you need to do it to get to where, to, to where you have a healthy secret place. So I can actually get to the secret place almost instantly because I've, for years, done it for hours at a time but still it was last week I had to close the door and I was supposed to be writing a message but I couldn't get it I couldn't get there so I just put on soaking music everybody's out of the house and I laid on the couch so oh God oh God oh God oh God yeah. guess what the message got done I preached it last week <laughs> and then encourage other people to do it Listen, this is a priority. Uh, we actually have a brochure that talks about um, it back on the brochure rack. Uh, if this is new to you, I challenge you to try it. If this is not new to you, I challenge you to do it a little more this year, this season, because we need to get our we need to get advanced on the inward journey, so that we're able to go on the upward journey, and then and ultimately the, the, where we're headed for is this outward journey 
of reaching the world, reaching our, our uh, generation with the message of the good news. But you can't reach somebody with the good news if you ain't got good news going on inside, right? So let's just close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a God who has uh, not just given us a rule book, Lord, but you've given us a guidebook. You haven't told us to stay put, but you've called us to come in to your presence. That you want to spend time with us. What a privilege, what an honor. Forgive us, Lord, for neglecting it. You know, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't know the Father, all this sounds like nonsense to you. Jesus came, he said this, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the way. This is the way to get to where you want to go. Your ultimate desires will always be met by your creator who made those, put those desires in you. And Jesus is the way to find them. He's the truth. He'll, he, he'll be honest with you. And he's the life. He wants to give you life, not death. Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So the, the reason he came was to escort you, to guide you into a living relationship with the Father. And that just means uh, to get that, you just need to ask him to lead you. Say, Jesus, come into my life and be my guide. Take me into the Father. And if you're a believer, you need to follow him. Get diligent and spend time. Lord, we just commit this into your hands. We thank you for such an honor and a privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.